Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode's with Stephen Goodman, the president and CEO of SHG Planning. And we're talking about business succession today. How do you take that business that you love and adore and that maybe you've spent a few decades on and hand it over to one of your children, hand it over to a spouse, hand it over to a loved one? We're going to be talking about succession today, including all the details related to it. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We're going to be talking today about where do you take your business long-term? And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about just like growing the business. I'm not talking about just making more money. I'm talking about when you think about building the legacy of your business, where does it go when you die? Who does it get handed over to? Maybe you have kids, maybe you have a family and you've thought about, yeah, you know, I want to build something I can leave to my kids or maybe the next generation. We're going to be talking about this today. In fact, I have Steve Goodman on the podcast today. Steve is the president and CEO of SHG Planning, and he handles all sorts of topics from family business succession planning to estate planning, even retirement planning and life insurance. We're going to be talking about it today. Steven, so glad to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I look forward to it. Well, uh, I, I'm excited to talk about this today because it feels like you know, obviously, you have a, a very wide range of areas that you are um, uh, particularly invested in uh, or experienced in. The one that just immediately comes top of mind to me that I'd love to dive into is this conversation of uh, family business succession planning, because it's one of those things where maybe you don't necessarily know you need help in this area until you actually are in this situation, but I've seen all sorts of businesses that, you know, family drama, litigation, challenges, all these things happen that really sort of create this ugly blemish on the business. Tell us more about who you are and what you do. Well, thank you. Uh, Well, my background uh, started out in public accounting, worked for one of the big accounting firms, KPMG, Pete Marwick. Uh, I'm a CPA, have my MBA in finance, uh, worked for a chemical bank that became JP Morgan for about three years. And for 30 plus years, I've owned my consulting firm, SHG Planning. Uh, As you had mentioned uh, previously, you know, the areas that I really touch upon with my clients are business continuity planning, which could be family business continuity planning. It could be amongst partners. It could be with key employees, uh, then estate planning, and then all aspects of risk management planning includes life insurance, long-term care, disability planning. Well, and, and how did you get into this, by the way? Was this when you were going through your MBA? Were you just like, yeah, this is something that seems interesting to me? Or you know, how did you first get into it? Well, 
it, it was a combination when I was at Chemical Bank, which became JP Morgan. I was in their trust and investment and private banking division. And, you know, areas like estate planning, risk management, uh, asset, you know, asset protection, asset investment and asset allocation planning. These were things done by those departments. So I just started to read and I got very interested in it, decided I didn't want to do it in a big corporation. So I left and formed my own company and I've been doing it now for 30 plus years. Well, let's talk more about this topic of succession planning. Um, Cause I, I would imagine that many of your clientele are, um, you know, probably not someone who just started their business. It's somebody who has a business that they're wanting to protect in a sense, or protect the legacy of that business. Talk a little bit more about some of the obstacles that people run into whenever they're handing the business off either to their next of kin or they're handing it off to maybe someone who's purchased the bill, the, the business. What are some of the challenges that people run into? Well, look, two of the major reasons why planning is not done. One is that entrepreneurs are type A driven putting out fires every day. You know, they, there's fires they know they're going to deal with when they wake up in the morning. And then there's fires that they weren't prepared for, but they have to deal with each and every day. So trying to get somebody to sit back and plan and focus on something in the future, it's not very easy to get an entrepreneur to do that because it's going to take time away from putting out fires. So that's a big obstacle. The, the second big obstacle, especially with a family business is, you know, you're a, you're a dad or you're a mom and you've reinforced to your children a hundred times as they were growing up, how, you know, you love them all the same and you're never going to treat them differently. And this one got a red lollipop and the other one got a red lollipop and this one got a cell phone and the other one gets a cell phone and a TV and a car. And, you know, they play you against one another. And, and as most parents, you know, you do love your kids the same and you reinforce to them, you're going to treat them the same. And, one day you realize that you built this big business and it's far and away your biggest asset and you have three kids and only one of them's involved in the business. And then you sit there and say, my God, how am I going to divvy everything up when I'm not here? Mm -hmm. You know, if I give it equally to my three kids, well, that's a problem because two of the kids aren't even involved in the business and, you know, they don't know anything and they're going to, they're going to be fighting constantly with, with, you know, my child who's in the business if I give my child, if I give my child in the business, the stock and as well as my other children, but I give the voting rights to my child in the business, then you have the issue of, you know, couldn't they just make all the decisions to their benefit? And really what you're leaving your other two kids is really meaningless because owning a third interest in a, in a closely held business that you have no voting rights really isn't worth much. Hmm. Okay. And then the last thing is, am I going to give the business to my kid in the business because they're the one actively involved, but if I don't have enough other assets, you know, how am I going to possibly be fair to my other kids that I've told them all through their life, how I'm going to treat them the same. And now one kid is going to have a much different lifestyle than the other kids because they're in the business. Now, sometimes that child actually was instrumental in growing the business, in which case, as a parent, you could say, you know what? A lot of the value in this business is because my son or daughter came in the business. But many times that's not the case. Many times the business was built before the son or daughter came in. And, and now they're being given something that they didn't create while they have other siblings that just decided they didn't want to be in the business. 
And now mom and dad don't really have other assets to leave them anywhere near of the value of what the business is. And those are some of the really, really significant things that cause a lot of, you know, just call it aggravation and 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 anxiety to parents. And a lot of the times they <clears throat> they run away from these issues because they feel if they talk about it with their kids, it's going to affect their relationship with one or more of their kids. And it could affect their relationship with their grandkids um, because the spouses of their kids could start getting involved. And a lot of times a mom or dad just says, I don't want to deal with it. So, you know, there's a lot of other reasons, but these are just some of the more common things that cause, um, you know, people not to adequately plan. We had a local business that had grown to be pretty sizable and when the uh, owner, he actually passed away, he had 14 people who were essentially relatives, direct kids, uh, you know, uncles to the kids, what have you, but ended up being 14 people who um, he just split the business into 14 chunks and gave it to those 14 individuals. And so when I began speaking with uh, one of those individuals, uh, this individual, who I think, I think it was the wife. Uh, she was saying, we can't get anything done. We can't create any momentum in the business because you have 14 different people who all have a different opinion on where the business should go. It's very clunky. It's very complicated. In fact, we're really stalling out as a business and uh, they didn't really know what to do. And I didn't really know what to do for them in the sense of just thinking, yeah, it's tough to manage that many people. Uh, but I suppose as a business, as a father or as a founder of a business, it's hard to know how do you really cut that up and split that up? Yeah, there's no, look, there's no perfect right answer. You know, I, I view my job isn't to tell you what to do. My job is to tell you the different ways you can do it and what are the advantages and disadvantages and try to guide you to make a proper choice. And then once you decide on a choice, I just reinforce to you, you know, the pluses and minuses of what you're doing. And then at the end of the day, you're a business person, you have to make a decision. You know, some people, some people just never make the decision and their succession plan is they die. And generally their will is just going to say, I leave everything to my spouse. And when she or he dies, <laughs> I leave everything equally to my kids, right. you know, and that's like the easy fallback. Cause like who could ever knock a dad or mom for just leaving everything equal to their kids, you know, they're their kids, you know, so that's a lot of times what, what ends up happening. And, you know, you know, planning hasn't been done right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another example. Um, of something that happens. Uh, dad is 60, mom's 60, son or daughter's in the business, they're 30, 35 years old. Um, and, you know, dad really hasn't addressed succession planning because they figure like, I'm only 60, my son or daughter just came into business, like, I don't know yet what I want my succession planning to be. So I had a situation like that where I met with, it would happen to be a, a man who was the son, and he, he must have been like in his mid 50s. And I, I said, well, what percentage of the, this business do you own? And he goes, none. And I kind of knew what must have happened, but I kind of played along with it. I said, well, tell me what happened. And he said, well, look, my dad died prematurely at the age of 60. And he left everything to my mom. And my mom has never worked a day in the business ever like before dad died or after dad died. And I took over the business when I was 30-ish years old. 
And I've been working in business for 25 years. And I built the business from a $5 million business to a $50 million business. And then I said, you do realize that when your mom dies, the IRS doesn't care. Like you can't say to the IRS, oh, I know my mom owns the stock, but it really shouldn't be part of her estate because I really grew the business from 5 million to 50. So we shouldn't have to pay estate taxes on that money. The IRS didn't say, I don't care. The business is in mom's name. She never transferred it. So now you're going to have to pay estate taxes on an inheritance of an asset that you grew from 5 million to 50 million. Secondly, I said to the to the son, do you have any idea what mom's planning is? She goes, he goes, no. As a matter of fact, it causes such friction. We never talk about it. And I don't even use the same attorney as mom because I feel it's like almost a conflict of interest. So I go, how many siblings do you have? He goes, two, I have another brother and a sister. And I said, you know, who gets along best with mom? Well, far and away, my sister, because she takes care of mom and her kids are the closest with my mom. And which of the three kids gets along the worst with mom? Far and away me, because I'm always <laughs> fighting with my mom over the business. So I go, you realize that your mom could leave the business a third, a third, a third to you and your siblings, and you would have a minority interest in this company that you grew. And I go, even more so, your mom could say, I don't get along with my son, and I'm going to leave the business 50-50 to my two kids who aren't even involved in the business. And even though that may not be good for the business, they could go sell the business and they'll get 50% each of the business after I die. And my son in the business will get nothing, even though he worked all those years in the business. So think about that. Think about being a 30-year-old, being in a business, investing the next 25 years in a business that you don't own any part of that business and you don't have any say over where your mom, in this case, is going to transfer that business. So you've taken all these years of your life and built this big business that potentially you may not even get any of it. You know, and the other part of it that I always tell people is that there's a difference between a mother, a wife, and a widow. That person who is your mom is a different person when she becomes a widow, especially if dad really controlled most of the financial things, which in that generation, the 67-year-old, is still principally ran by men. Obviously, your generation, it's very different and it'll change. But in that generation, it's mostly men who built the business. And a lot of times the wife stayed at home and the wife isn't involved. And then she becomes a widow when dad dies and she's nervous. It's the first time in her life her husband's not been there to generate an, an income from a business. And she gets very concerned and cautious and very protective of her money and her assets. And that makes it even harder to get her to do planning because she's not thinking, oh, wow, I should give the stock now to my son because I could get away with a really low value because my husband died and we, we could take the position that the key man isn't there anymore and we could value this business very low and give it to my son. She's thinking like, I'm not giving this business away. Like, this is my asset. This is how I make sure I'm going to have a livelihood. And it causes friction with the with the children, especially the one in the business. So this is all very, um, to put it lightly, complicated. I mean, just, you know, especially like the family friction and, um, you know, I I think you've, you've picked up a great, you've made a great point that uh, many business, it's hard enough to get business owners to think even beyond tomorrow, you know, what they're going to deal with next week, you know, getting them to think about where does this business go when I die is um, so far out of, out of mind for many people that, 
uh, obviously, a, a lot of times they never get the option to really plan it out. What, for people who are listening, who are thinking, okay, I want to avoid that drama. I want to avoid that friction. Wh- what's the answer here? I mean, is it is it is it just being open and honest and direct from day one on, you know, hey, daughter number one is really invested in the business. I want everyone to know that she's going to get the biggest cut of it. I mean, is it pulling the bandaid off and just being direct on what's going to happen? Or like, how do people avoid this, this exhausting um, back and forth on what happens to the business? Well, it's a very good question. I mean, I would say to you that the, the people that end up in the best place, you know, some of it you have to realize is personalities of you and your children and relationships. And sometimes even if you do everything right and you get the best advice, there's always the risk that you could hurt a relationship with children just because of their personalities or the personalities of their spouses. But I would say to you, generally speaking, the people that have the most success have all of the following characteristics. Number one, they prioritize planning. They realize that it may not be the most important thing, but they make sure they allocate a certain amount of time every year to look into and address these issues and keep the momentum going. Number two, they have um, they have a good set of advisors that they allow the advisors to work together so they're not bifurcated. So it's not like the business owner talks to their CPA and then talks to their attorney and then talks to their financial advisor and like gets everybody's opinion. You need to kind of work as a team so that you know, the business owner could hear from everybody. And if there's differences of opinion, it could be talked about. So so that's the second important issue. The third issue is to have an advisory team that's egos don't get in the way so that, you know, they're not like one upping each other of trying to be like with generally it's the accountant or the attorney because they usually have the most powerful relationship with the client. Sometimes they want to seem like they're the quarterback and want to kind of, you know, keep control of everything. And that many times their ego gets in the way of the best planning for the client because not everybody has a voice at the table that they should have to try to help the client. So that's another important issue. And then I don't say openness to discuss this with the kids from the first minute you start the planning. But after you've had the time to digest everything and in conjunction with your advisors, come to come to a, a direction that you want to go, being open and talking about it with your kids and and hearing what they have to say and maybe changing your opinion a little bit based on what you hear from your children, although maybe not if you think you've really come up with the best plan, even though not everybody's going to be happy because somebody's not going to be happy about it. Um, And basically uh, you end up, you know, being more open about it and, and there's risks, you know, the risk you take of doing that is you could affect your relationship with one or more of your kids or your grandchildren or the spouses of your kids. There is that risk, but you know, at least if you deal with it while you're alive, you get to see, everybody shows their cards a little bit and and it gives you a better chance of maybe modifying it versus if you don't talk about it and then you're dead, there's nothing anybody could do about it. I imagine that the people you work with, uh, actually, I, now that I think about it, I'm not really sure. You know, when I think about this concept of family harmony and families who 
they've really worked this out on the front side of things versus the ones where there's been no dialogue, no planning. Um, I imagine you see both sides of it. Um, how do you, and it's not necessarily your job, I guess, to stay optimistic, but how do you keep families moving forward in this whole process, especially if there is drama or challenges or he said, she said, or friction, tension, what have you, how do you keep people moving towards whatever the solution is? Well, look, I'd like to say I'm the Messiah, but I'm not. Uh, (laughs) And I'd like to say that I bat a thousand, but as you know, a great baseball player, none of them bat anywhere near, near that. Um, So, you know, I do the best I can to move the process forward by every meeting, setting up an agenda for the next meeting while everybody's together, making sure we put a meeting in our calendar, trying to hold people to not cancel meetings, you know, try to stay through the process with them. And when things go in tangents, spend time with them to try to get them back on point. But, you know, sometimes it just, sometimes you can only do what you can do. So there are some people you just can't plan for. They, they just don't allow it to happen for any one of the reasons that I mentioned before. But, you know, one of the good things about, like, I guess, you know, two of my biggest selling points are, number one, um, I have a multidisciplinary background. So, like, every aspect of planning, whether it's what the accountant's doing, the lawyer's doing, the investment advisor's doing, the insurance person, the pension person, I have a substantial amount of expertise in all those areas. So, it's like, I'm like the one person on the team that, like, speaks Portuguese and Russian and, you know, and, and English and Mandarin, you know, I really don't, but using that as an analogy. <laughs> sure. The second thing is that when I get brought into these situations, that's really my only job. You know, unlike the CPA who has a lot of things they need to do for the client outside of planning, this is really all I'm there for. So, so I have a vested interest to keep the ball going because I don't really serve a purpose outside of getting this done, while the CPA could always just like push it off and push it off because they got 50 other things they need to do for the client outside of this. And thus, they don't have the same level of urgency attached to getting this thing done. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you've also put together a book. I didn't mention it in the intro, but for our listeners, it's called Business Succession Planning, A Guide to Transfer Sales, Family Harmony, and Minimizing Litigation. It's available at barnesandnoble.com. Uh, what caused you to write a book? Um, you know, I thought I had a lot of, you know, I think you could tell even in this, I'm like a storyteller, you know, like a a lot of it is, you know, telling stories that people can kind of relate to. And I felt I had a very, I had a good background that I had a lot to offer people. And I thought putting a book together would help people. And for the most part, I don't look to really sell the book. It's more, I give it away to, to people and, uh, you know, anybody who's listening could, um, you know, go to stephengoodman.biz and they could download a free copy of the book, you know, after after we're done speaking today. But that's kind of why I did it. And look, you know, you know, from a business and a marketing standpoint, when you write a book, you're automatically viewed as being smarter. I, I'm no smarter for having written the book than I was before, but that's, you know, you see someone on TV, they must be an expert. They wrote a book, <laughs> they must be an expert. So well, I wrote a book, so I guess I'm an expert. You mentioned in the, you mentioned in the book that, uh, and I've heard the statistic before that 85% of businesses don't last to the third generation. 
And it reminds me of someone who I was just talking to um, this last year who he was that third generation and he, he knew that statistic too. And he was incredibly nervous about it because he was nervous about being part of the statistic that um, or the business didn't last. Uh, and in his case, it was less about um, uh, the business just being handed over well. It was actually that he was running the business, but the original founder of the business was still heavily involved in trying to make decisions for the business, even though he was retired, was still trying to make decisions for the business, try to guide strategy for the business. And um, there was this really strange power struggle where the friend of mine was the, the in writing, the owner of the business or by title, um, but really wasn't quite running the business, if that makes sense. How yeah, common- no, no, that's not, Yeah, that's not uncommon. I mean, it's very hard to let go. You know, it's it's a very, very hard thing to let go. It's it's like another child to you. And it's been an important part of your life for so long. And it's probably the one thing that you're really, 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 really good at. You know, like you come home and your wife may think you're not too smart about a lot of other things. But when you're <laughs> in the office with this really smart guy or woman, right. you know, running a business. So it's what makes you feel good about yourself. It's part of your ego. So it's hard to let go. And, you know, no different than when you're, you go from being a parent to a grandparent and you, and you still think you should be telling your kids everything of how to do things and how to be parents. And, you know, then you get into friction with your kids because sometimes you overstep your boundaries. It's, you know, that's how, how it's done on the personal side. It's similar kind of on the business side. <laughs> I love it. Steven, this has been a really fun conversation. I appreciate you dropping in today. What can listeners do? What's the next step if they want to follow you, learn more from you, uh, maybe even work with you? What do they need to do next? Well, as I said, one thing is they could certainly download my book, as I said, from stephengoodman.biz. You could also go to shgplanning.com, which is my website. You'll see I have probably about 60, 70 articles on the site on all different subjects. I have, I think, some podcasts I've been on, videos I've done. Um, you know, And certainly, you can email me at sgoodman at shgplanning.com or uh, call me at 516-297-7390. Um, certainly always willing to offer somebody, especially if they listen to me on a podcast, you know, sometime on the phone at no cost or obligation to pick my brain a little bit and see if I can, you know, give you some advice. Steven, it's been great having you on the show today. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put those links, shgplanning.com and stephengoodman.biz if you want to grab his book uh, down in the episode description below. Uh, I won't put his phone number just so I can spare him the tragedy of uh, people spamming his phone uh, with his phone number online. Uh, but you can check that out. You can even give him a call, email him, what have you to reach out to him, connect with them. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and you've been following the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button, click that follow button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you are. And hey, don't forget we are on Patreon. If you want to support the podcast or if you want to get your business promoted on the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash good advice. That's patreon.com slash good advice. That's all we have today. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you later. See ya.